When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. I am here with Molly Gimmel, who is an entrepreneur, a speaker, an advocate. She's co-founder and CEO of the Women or Woman-Led Four-Time Inc. 5000, honored from Design to Delivery Inc., D2D Inc. You'll have to tell me more about that. Um, She's dedicated to the empowerment of female leadership and has been involved with the NABO Association, so National Association of Women Business Owners for two decades. And she also, I'm very excited about this, she's got a new book, pretty new, from 2021 called Master Your Mindset, How Women Leaders Step Up and it's this is available now. You guys can get it. We'll tell you how to get it. But most importantly, like that's awesome, awesome books. So we're gonna talk about mindset. We're gonna talk about mindset. So tell me a little about you and and some of the stuff I didn't really know how to pronounce, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> sure. Um, so my company is called Design to Delivery. We are a government contracting firm. We do program management support and acquisition support for federal agencies. Um, had that for twenty plus years now. Um, we've. Like you said, we were on the Inc. 5000 list four times, which is the list of um, fastest growing privately held companies in the United States. And yeah, yeah. and I've been involved with NABO for almost that whole time, almost the 20 years since I've had the business and have served in a variety of positions, both in my local chapter and at the national level. And that's really what got me interested in leadership. And so when my term on the national board ended a couple of years ago, I decided to write a book about it. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, why, why so involved in NABO? What's with this uh, passion around helping women? Why, Molly? I don't understand. I obviously right. don't relate at all, right? Right, right. Um, you know, I just think having been a woman in an industry that is very male-dominated, defense contracting, <laughs> um, I just really feel like women need all the help they can get. And I think it's really important that those of us who can help do um, help help and support other women. Just like what Madeline Albright said, you know, there's a place in hell for women who don't help other women. And so I don't want to go to hell. Oh, man. <laughs> but I, I think I it's important. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one, yeah. but I love that because it's so true. It really pisses me off when women don't support women and I don't get it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. 
you know, I was actually just at this mastermind. I went to San Diego and I had an overnight flight, as I mentioned to you before, before we started recording, I'm like, if I fall asleep, don't blame me now. I won't fall asleep, but I might repeat the same thing over and over again. That happens. But I was at this <laughs> mastermind and it's a phenomenal mastermind. It's uh, with the company, um, they used to be called digital marketer. Now they're called scalable, but it's all digital marketing type, a lot of online business type of things. But this one, this one guy there, um, he just went public like the day when we were at the mastermind, he's like, I went public yesterday. So it was the day before yesterday and his company was valued at 800 million. And we were like, Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So very high level. And of course there, you know, much fewer women there. And I think the women like everybody's friendly and nice, but I feel like when I first started at that, you know, started going to that mastermind, it wasn't like anyone was mean, but it was just not that welcoming even. And, and what's really interesting is there was one woman there who, when I first met her, I thought she was not very friendly. And then now we've been in this mastermind for four years. And so now we're, we know, you know, we know each other and we're talking and, and, you know, we've talked quite a bit now. She's very friendly and very nice and very willing to help and all these things. And yesterday we, we actually were on getting ready for our flight. And it turns out she was on the same flight coming back to Florida and so we start, you know, chatting with her and she said, you know, I'm just glad like the, the couple of days is over because I'm so, it makes me so nervous to talk to people and I'm so introverted. And I was like, what? Because she comes off as super poised. She, she's she been working for Agora, like a huge company in the marketing. Like she's really, really successful. And she's also has her own business and all these things. And I'm like, oh gosh, it's so crazy because I kind of thought, not that I thought she was a bitch at first, but like just not friendly. And just like, I remember Mm -hmm. I messaged her, you know, oh, we're in the same mastermind. And like, she really didn't, you know, talk to me. And what I realized yesterday was like, wow, I think she was just as intimidated as I was in a way being in this room with a lot of men and not necessarily knowing her place or not. And I don't know that she felt that way, but just not wanting to be in crowds and necessarily like good at talking to people or knowing what to say. And like, it's so weird because mm-hmm. I'm extroverted. And so even as an extrovert in those rooms, I feel introverted and she's yeah. introverted being in that room. And it's like, oh, I get it. So I think sometimes it's not that, that there's hate. I think it's actually fear. I mean, it always comes from fear, right? Um, but there's fear around that. But women not being nice to women or, or making an effort to help support them, it drives me nuts, especially the most successful women on the planet, like as if they yeah. have to like hold their success. Like they can't share it or something like it's going to make them less successful to share with other women and share their secrets. So we build a community with women who are super supportive and love helping each other. And I think that's just huge. So I'm glad you said that. So, um, tell me a little about like, well, tell us a little about the book and mindset. And I I would love to start with like, if you could, maybe if you share it in your book, like what, what's something vulnerable, like what's the hardest thing you had to, to, to deal with or overcome or something like that? Because I think when it comes to mindset, one of the biggest things for people is like, especially women is this feeling like I shouldn't share the the things mm-hmm. I'm afraid of, or I shouldn't share those vulnerabilities. And I think that's where we connect and where it's like so powerful. So give me, give me mm-hmm. one, a, a good one, Molly, give me a story. Sure. <laughs> okay. So first about the book. Um, so the book is about developing a leadership mindset, because I think really all women are leaders in some way. Leadership doesn't necessarily mean a job title. It's, you know, it's how you are exerting your influence over the people in your life, people you work with, people you live with, your family, friends, community, whatever. And so, you know, women, I think this is the century of women taking over the world. I really do. And so we've got to wrap our minds around what that means um, so that we can step up and be those effective leaders that the world needs right now. Um, So what I did was I came up with a list of 13 different mindsets 
Um, and I interviewed about 30 different women leaders in a variety of industries. And I gave them the list and I said, pick two or three off the list and um, that have been um, important to you in your leadership experiences and your leadership journey. And let's just talk about them. If you have any stories, you can share them or whatever. And so each chapter of the book is one of those mindsets. And I talk about my, provide some of my personal stories about that. I talk about what that mindset is. And then I weave in um, what the women who I interviewed told me about the, their experiences with those mindsets. Um, so as you were saying, one of the mindsets in the book is authenticity and being your real self and not trying to paint a perfect picture, but um being willing to talk about your your flaws and your foibles and your failures um, because it makes people feel like you're a real person and they relate to you a lot better when they realize that you're not perfect, that you're not up on this pedestal. And so um, I think that's really important as a part of leadership. It's a way to connect with the people that you're leading is by being your authentic self, flaws and all. Give us some of yours. I want to hear like, were there any big, like where you had to overcome or where you felt like a failure? Did you say sure. foible? Foible? What is that? Foibles. Yes. I said foibles. It just foibles. sounds like something Yiddish, like foibles. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know is. that word. Know. Speaking of vulnerability, what does that mean? It must be like a flaw. Yeah. Insecurities. Um, or no, kind of like missteps. Oh, see, I learned something new. Good. See, yeah. Vocabulary of a three-year-old. Um, okay. Good. Sure. So yeah, give me a story. Can you give me one? <laughs> sure. And actually, and one of, well, one of the chapters is also imposter syndrome, how to get over imposter syndrome. So I'll give you an example um, of imposter syndrome in my life. And that is when I was um, in college, you know, I, all of the big consulting firms came and interviewed on campus and I did not get hired by any of them because I was not in the top 20% of the class, which is what they were looking for. Um, after school, I got a job working for this small company and the COO of the company took a liking to me and he left and went to KPMG and said to me when he left, Hey, when you're ready to leave here, give me a call and I'll get a job for you. Well, KPMG had been one of those companies that I had interviewed with on campus and they didn't want me. And so I was like, no, nope, I can't go to KPMG. You know, I, I just didn't think that I was qualified. Um, because they didn't want me when they interviewed with me on campus. And um, so it took me probably six months from the time that the COO of the company left till I got up the courage to call him and say, okay, I'm ready. You know, do you have a job for me? And he had a job for me and he brought, he brought me over. And, um, you know, and for the probably the first six months I was there, I was a little intimidated by some of the people and really didn't think I belonged. But then I realized pretty quickly that, you know, just because I didn't get great grades in school doesn't mean I was I'm less smart than anybody else. And I work just as hard and I, I'm just as um, equally qualified and to be there as they as they were. I can relate. Of course, everybody can relate with imposter syndrome, especially women. But um, when I was, this dates back to fifth grade. When I was in fifth grade, my friend was in the gifted program and uh, similar kind of feeling is like, you know, she was in the gifted program. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool. They got to go to like, I don't know, see extra ceremonies and I field trips. So like, they just got rewarded for being smart. Mm. So I'm like, I want to do that. And so then because I was not just handpicked as somebody gifted, then I had to like, try out or audition, or I don't know, they called it, uh, maybe it's an oral exam, but it felt like an audition. And mm -hmm. I went into this room and I remember like sitting on this, this, this 
um, stool basically and having three people across the room. And I, I imagine it is a very dark room and I don't know if it really was, or if that's just my memory of it, but I'm like imagining myself like sitting on this, on this stool in this dark room, like hunched over and like having these people interrogate me about words and things. And I, I don't remember much except that they did ask me and you know, they said, you know, what's a tripod. And I froze and I'm in fifth grade and I was smart enough to know that I should know that word, but not smart enough to know what it meant. And then I was dumb enough to go back to my mom when she asked like, well, how did the test go? And I said, uh, not too great, you know, because they asked some questions I didn't know. And she said, like, what? And I said, well, I said, what's a tripod? My mom looks at me and she goes, you don't know what a tripod is? Come on, Robin, tripod with three fingers. She goes, tripod three, you know, putting on her hand like I'm, I'm the dumbest person in the world. And I know my mom didn't intend to make me feel bad, but it was like, come right. on, tripod three. And so like to this day, we joke about that. Like uh, my husband like does the three fingers on his hand like, tripod three when I'm like going into a pattern, but that stuck with me. And I had like the opposite effect where I thought I had to prove myself. So I got straight A's throughout high school, straight A's throughout college. I mean, I think I got one B in college as a B plus in playwriting. I was pissed because I was like, oh my gosh, this is supposed to be the easy class. I think I also got a B, B in calculus, but I think those were the only two B's I got in, mm. in college. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, I was so bummed about that, those two B's, but especially the one in playwriting, playwriting. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is an easy A, right? But then that's really not with me and, you know, constantly feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. And like, that shows up all the time. I mean, I'm like this, the, the, I get so scared. I mean, I haven't played Trivial Pursuit and I don't know how long because I won't touch it, but I was actually at um, a friend's house the other day. Uh, well, it was, uh, I don't know if you know JJ Virgin, but a yeah. friend of mine is JJ Virgin and she's very, very successful, which was already like pretty cool and could theoretically be somewhat intimidating. And um, we were chatting and and she was talking about um, this group. They have this group called the Unicorn Club and like this really high-end group. And I was like, oh, they're kind of, I think they're too baller for me because she was kind of inviting me. And, and, and then like the second I said it, I was like, I shouldn't have said that. She goes, that's a stupid thing to say, you know? And I'm like, there you go again, being stupid. But I was like, but now I'm, I'm not sensitive to it. Like, I don't think I'm stupid, you know, but, and then later we're playing some, some silly board game. And I'm, I was actually so scared because I didn't know if it was going to be something like trivial pursuit or somewhere we had to have a brain. And I'm like, God, I don't want them to know the truth that I'm not smart. So I still have that ingrained in me. They're like, I'm still this imposter. And even when, you know, I'm not, I'm not perceived that way. I like have that in my head, like, Oh, I don't want them to find out. But what I've, I think what I've changed a lot, and maybe this is one of your third, since I don't know your 13, I don't know is humor. One of them is humor. One of them by chance not, not humor is not, but actually mastering your mental chatter is one of them. Okay. Okay. Cool. Like so getting the voice in your head to stop calling you stupid. Yeah. So that's cool. Cause I think a lot of it is like, I've just gotten to laugh at it because I am authentic because I'm real, because I'm willing to share. Like in the past, I would never say what's a foible. Like what, what does that mean? Like, because I would be mm-hmm. too scared. I'm on a podcast. I don't want people to know. I don't know words. And now I, I get, you know, I'm on the podcast and I'm talking to people and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Or like, I'm just not afraid to say it because I'm just going to be like, people might think I'm stupid. Oh, well, I know, you know, I'm smart in my own right. And I, I, I don't actually care about being smart. I care about affecting people. Right. So that's back to the mindset chatter. So cool. Give us a few more. These are great. Okay. Um, well, one of them, we talked about authenticity. So um, the story I tell in the book about authenticity is when we first started our business, my business partner and I, um, a couple years later, she came to me and she said, you know, some of the employees are scared of you. And I was like, what? Why? And I had always been raised that when you're at work, you're a professional. 
you act professional, you don't get too close, especially if you're the boss, you don't become friends with the people that work with you, um, all that kind of thing. And so she said, they just see you as being very serious and like, like they're afraid that you're going to yell at them. And I was like, I've never yelled at anybody at the office. And she says, yeah, but you just, you come across that way. You need to, you need, you need to let them see the real you. And so I was like, okay. And so I thought about it and and I realized that I was just kind of being too serious all the time. And that wasn't really the real me. So, you know, part of authenticity is, is being the real you, you know, cracking a joke here and there, um, you know, laughing hysterically at something that's funny. If it is telling about the, the mistakes that you made and what you did to fix them, um, all of those things. And so that way um, I, I'm, we've, developed a core team in, at our corporate office that is, we're all really close and we all, you know, really know each other well. And I think that um, even in a professional setting, you know, even if I'm not friends with them, I don't, you know, go on vacation with, with the people who work for me, but we get along so well. And it means that if something comes up that's challenging, we can, we know each other and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we can figure out a solution a lot easier. Um, so I think, you know, that's one of the reasons authenticity is so important. So how does, how does someone, so, you know, how does someone go? Okay. I mean, I, obviously they, they can read your book. That's a good start, but how does yeah. someone go from like, I know that I'm not where I need to be mindset wise, because everybody knows like, why do you need to have a powerful or an empowered mindset? Because you will do mm -hmm. better in business. You will make a bigger impact. You'll, you'll have a better yes. life, right? Even just how you react to things, how you feel about things. So it's obvious why we want it. Um, I think the hard part is like, how do we get it? Like, you know, going to personal growth seminars, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself to get to a point where I can tell people that I was scared that I was stupid. You know, I had to, mm -hmm. like so much personal growth and meditation, all these things. Um, is there, is there a quick fix? Is there a quick way? Is there like a step-by-step -step of how to do it? Well, there's no quick fix to anything like that, you know, um, <laughs> unfortunately, right. I mean, if there was, you know, it's like one of those things stay like this, <laughs> you know, I think acknowledging that you have work to do is the first step and then figuring out, you know, what areas you need the most help in. Is it mastering your mental chatter? Is it getting over imposter syndrome? Is it opening up and being more authentic? Is it being more resilient? That's another one of the mindsets in the book that, you know, you, when challenges come, you just curl up into a ball and cry and you can't deal with them. So, um, so in each chapter, I talk about kind of what, it, what each thing is about and then strategies for making yourself better at that thing. Um, so th yeah, there's no quick fix. There's no one, one seminar you can take in order to, you know, really strengthen your mindset. I think it's a, it's a constant battle. Um, and there's some th things that I do way better than others. Um, I was just having this conversation the other day with about one of the mindsets is don't take it personally, you know, especially in a business setting, women really have a tendency to take things personally that aren't. Now, there are times that things are personal, but women take a lot of things that are not personal personally. And in, to be a more effective leader, you really have to be able to get over that. Um, and I was having a conversation with someone the other day about, you know, um, an organization that I've been affiliated with um, is going through some changes. It had um, a crappy thing happen, basically. And it has caused a lot of turmoil with at the leadership level and people pick, taking sides and taking everything personally and saying nasty things about each other. And there's just a whole lot of ugliness happening. And so I was talking to one of the other people who are involved and um, 
we said, you know what? We're all, we're all supposed to be leaders here. You know, we're all supposed to be focused on servant leadership. What's the, we're here to support the organization. The organization's not here to support us. And we need to take a step back, stop taking it personally, um, get, get the group together, get the group back on track and uh, move forward because that's what leadership is about. Your big girl panties on. Exactly. I, I'm not a fan of that expression, but, <laughs> but that's, but exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just, we have something called a big girl policy. I don't say usually say pants or, or the other word I don't usually like either, but, um, but, it, but even for like, um, this is not to take things, not, not about taking things personally, but we have, when it comes to payments and stuff, people say they want to be in our program, let's say, and it's not like we're forcing them or we're trying to like, we, unsell people as much as we sell them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I don't want you to do this. If I don't believe you're going to get an ROI, they choose. And then sometimes, you know, it's like they ghost us and it's like, hey, you know, so we now have a big girl policy that's like, Hey, if you got to make different payments, you got to work something out, whatever, like you got to show up and tell us and be proactive yeah. about it. We don't want to chase you. And so I think just in general, like being like, you know, being the bigger person, I think is the, the same type of thing is like, not taking it personally. It's really hard not to do that, but why? Like, why is it so hard? It's because you're just worried about judgment. Like you're constantly concerned about what everybody else thinks. And like you said, it's not about, you know, this, the organization supporting us It's it's, it's about us supporting the organization. So if, if we're not, if we're actually thinking about, well, what, what is the true purpose of being here to help people, to make a difference, to contribute? So then if I could just take that, uh, like put that aside for a second and say, let's just pretend that, has nothing to do with me and all the stuff I'm making up, would I show up as a better leader? Yes. You know, I remember this fight I got Mm -hmm. in with my husband once we were in Alaska. I don't even remember what it was about. It was something so stupid. Like it was just about how he talked to me and it was like the way he said it made me feel judged. Right. And it wasn't even what Mm -hmm. he said. It was just the way he said it. And he does this all the time. And I, 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 I hate it. And, and so I got mad at him, but it wasn't the fact that like, it wasn't what he did. It was the fact that how I reacted to his reaction made him react in the way I didn't want him to react. That's very confusing. But basically it's like, (laughs) once I said that bothered me, it's like, he didn't, he wasn't like, sorry, honey. You know, I didn't mean it that way. He was Mm -hmm. like defending his, why he said it that way and how it didn't mean what I thought it would meant. And I was like, Oh my, I was pissed, like crying. Like I was in the car crying. I almost wasn't going to go on this hike in Alaska because I was being a little, you know what? And so, mm-hmm. um, he, when all the kids, the kids and my in-laws are getting out of the car and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just need to stay in the car. Like, I'm not sure if I'm coming out and I'm being like, I'm taking it personally. Like I'm being a little baby. And before he goes, like everybody else gets out and I don't want my kids to see me like this either. And I know that it's not right, but it's just like, it didn't feel good. And I felt like I wanted him to react in a different way. And so he, you know, he come, he, he kind of like, before he closed the door, he says, he goes, Rob's, just, I know you're mad at me. I don't really know why, but just ask yourself, like, was I trying to hurt you? Like, was there ill intent basically? Like, was I really intending Mm -hmm. to hurt you? And you know, I wasn't. And so like, do you really want to react this way? And and not like, do you want to be a little baby? Like he could have said that, but that would have been a bad choice. Um, but <laughs> it, it just got me to think and like, but it was, and it wasn't even like, do you want to react this way? He didn't say that. It was just like, just know that my intention was not bad and I wasn't trying to hurt you. 
and take what you want with that. And then, you know, he, he left and, you know, I, I had a few more tears and cried. And then I said, you know, took a few deep breaths and I was like, I know he didn't mean that. Why am I making such a big deal about this? Like stop being a little baby and go have fun, you know? And I just kind of shook it off and it took me a little bit, like I needed a little space to, to get over it, but it's like, I was just, I was, it goes back to this fear of judgment. Like I just felt judged and it was so silly. And I know the intention wasn't to hurt me, but in that moment, the way he said that made me feel bad, but it wasn't him making me feel bad. It's me. You know, I'm making myself feel bad. And I think that's really, really hard. Like we, my husband and I, we say this all the time, like you can, and we read it somewhere. We didn't make it up, but um, you could be right. Or you can be in love. Right. And you probably heard you can be rich or you, you know, you could be right. Or you could be rich, you know, you can be Uh right. You can be in love. And it's like those times, like, I just want to be right. And then it's like, we're both mad and not having fun and not feeling like we're in love versus like, Mm-hmm. just assume the intention was good and have a good time and, and forget yeah. like taking it personally. So I like that. I don't always use that expression, but I think that that makes a lot of sense. It's just hard. It's hard because we think we have to be right, but it's yeah. like, you don't, you don't have to be right. Especially women. We have to be right. Exactly. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So is it, is it easier? Like when they're reading the book and getting these 13 different mindsets is it better to take, you mentioned kind of start with one that like, is it one at a time kind of thing? Or is it just the awareness of all of it to just be like, okay, I, I, I'm aware. Like you said, the first step is awareness, like everything, right. First step is always awareness is I'm aware that I'm taking it personally. And then I can, I can probably weave all of these, right. It's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. let me get some better. What'd you call it? Mind chatter. Mental chatter. Yeah. Mental chatter. Okay. So mental chatter to be like, okay. Like I would say like, was the intent to hurt me? No, you know, okay. Mm Rob, do you really want to be mad or do you want to be in love? You want to have a good time, you know? So then there's the mental chatter that's positive versus the mental chatter of you're so stupid. He hates you. He's, he, he thinks you're stupid or whatever else is going on. Right. Right. We change mental chatter. So is it a combo or is it, is it more like, okay, I'm going to work on this week. I'm going to work on mental chatter. <laughs> What's the best way to use it? Well, I think it it's different for different people. I think some people will benefit more from just reading it and taking it all in and then kind of deciding. And actually in the in the very end at the conclusion, I have a little quiz that people can take about and rate themselves on where they think they are on each of the 13 areas and then maybe use that to pick one or two that they think they need to work on the most. Um mm, they can skip so. to the back and do it at the beginning and then compare even. True, but you might, if you do it first, you might not really understand what each one is. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. There was a reason, of course. I'm just the cheater who wants to go to the back of the book. That's all. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, everybody likes quizzes, so that's good. So tell them where to get the book and how to find you. Sure. The book is on available on all of the online platforms, Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, you know, wherever you buy books online. Um, And it's called Master Your Mindset, How Women Leaders Step Up and... Um, you can also connect with me on my website, which is mollygimmel.com. And there's actually a link there to the book on Amazon. If you just want to go to my website and click the link and buy the book that way. Say your website one more time. You cut out for a second. Sorry. It's my name, mollygimmel.com. Mollygimmel.com. Okay, perfect. Perfect. And you didn't cut out the whole time. So we had great, it all worked out. Just that last part, the only most important thing of where to find you. Of course. Anything else to add for our listeners here? Of course. No, just, um, encourage them. I I encourage you all to step up and take control and be leaders and don't be apologetic about it. We need more effective women leaders. Yes. And I talk about this all the time. And like you said, all women are leaders. They are 
they are stressed and concerned and hurt and, and scared when it comes to money. And if you can just get that one thing out of the way, like that could improve the mental chatter and the, the improve their life in so many ways, but you have to lead them. You can't just be like, this is why even with sales, I'm like, you have to lead them. It's not like, Oh, let me know when you want to maybe talk about how I can help you. It's like, no, they need you to be like, next step is this. So be a leader. And that starts with you being better with your own mindset. So I love this. Awesome. Molly. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you here. And those of you um, who are not yet in our Facebook group, get to growing your financial business, the woman's way Facebook group. So you can get more goodies on top of this uh, lovely podcast. So we'll see you next time. Thank you. I enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around, you know, you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if you can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results. And it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone, I think it was Dana, got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments. Go to 10, go to 15, go to 20, and set yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the Tag Challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.